My part in Elon Musk's horrifying and terrifying calamity at Base Camp 1. Chapter 4. The story so far. It is 1994. An impossibly handsome Dave G. Donovan, at the time a young freelance journalist, has somehow managed to infiltrate a baroque and vast Elon Musk's expedition to scale Mount Everest, the roof of the world. Along the way, through unfamiliar foreign cities and narrow mountain passes, he has used various strategies to chase down the biggest story of his then embryonic career, including adopting several surprising disguises. One as an elderly former national badminton champion Sherpa, and another as an amiable beast of burden called Bonnie. Also in his adventures thus far, Donovan has befriended a statuesque fake llama, been terrorised by a corporate yeti and a gloomy giantess, and gotten closer than he ever expected to Elon Musk himself. We now resume this gripping tale as the much-exhausted and depleted Musk entourage 15 days out now from the Nepalese capital, at last makes its final descent into Base Camp 1. The Musk Entourage limps and limbos into Base Camp 1. Chapter 4 Approaching Base Camp 1 late on day 14 of our trek from Kathmandu, as that glowing orange orb began to dip towards the snow-bright Himalayan foothills, I considered various methods in which I might slaughter the remaining members of our party. Of course, as I was later to discover, this almost irresistible homicidal impulse to indulge in mass carnal murder of one's fellows was just something that occurs to all, or or very nearly almost all, goodly and valiant expeditioners as they approach the intimidating peak that shouts a great big rock off and go away and die to all who dare challenge it, Mount Everest. As the Musk Carnival Circus, which had set out with such high hopes, glitter, Europop, Diamante fascinators, ostrich feather armbands, and expensive brand name pogo sticks, limped, limboed, sashayed, or hopscotched, into base camp one, its numbers depleted by two in every five, the few of us remaining, pantomime or not, felt an almost guilty sense of self-satisfaction at the immensity, if not enormity, of our shared accomplishment. As for me, the then barely 23-year-old freelance reporter, impeccably uh, attractive, even dressed now in the threadbare and barely conceivable disguise of Bonnie the friendly and reliable pack mule, I could barely believe I had put myself into this enviable journalistic position. But all the privations and indignities I had suffered over the previous fortnight would prove meaningless if I was not able to execute the final part of my plan and manage to procure some revealing photographs of Elon Musk, uh, whether mostly disrobed or, preferably, totally stark naked. Despite the many the Musk caravanser I had lost, whether inadvertently sent into a deep crevasse by Musk himself, or for whatever other reason, as we trudged the last few 
steps into the windswept glacial tent community of Base Camp 1, there was an undeniable mood of festivity. There was, of course, also a lot of MDMA being consumed at the time, and so the remaining Musk followers immediately set themselves, as you would expect rather empathetically, towards putting up the world's biggest circus tent, elephants notwithstanding. As the bedraggled, yet still gaudy Musk groupies immediately offered their famously incompetent services towards erecting this massive pagoda, I took the opportunity to divert myself, still as Bonnie, down a convenient nearby culvert, slightly out of sight of all of this absurd and frenetic activity. There I took the satchel I had secreted in the fake back legs of the mule, which contained my final disguise, and, with an appropriate degree of solemnity, kicked the sweat-stained pantomime pack mule outfit down a steep gorge in the overall general direction of Pakistan. Boysenberry snaps a salutary tale. No more than 12 minutes later, probably less, I was installed in the cocktail bar of the vast Musk Base Camp 1 tent, wearing my latest and possibly most ingenious new identity, that of a svelte and mysterious Moroccan go-go dancer named Rochelle. As I began pouring drinks, I noticed with a degree of approbation that Musk was nearby, near the huge glittering disco ball, and was performing his teddy bear picnic routine, which you may remember, fatefully, from Chapter 3. In any case, if ever I was going to procure a photo of Musk in the nude, or even the semi-nude, then it was going to be tonight. Also underneath that vast canopy was a smallish brown bear riding a unicycle, wearing a novelty helicopter hat, juggling kitchen knives while simultaneously playing the harmonica. The bear rode adroitly towards me and, taking his mouth organ quickly out with a foot paw, still juggling, comically mouthed the words, Strange that he said it so vividly, considering he just mouthed those words, but nevertheless, that was Keith. If there was ever any end to the late Keith from Reuters' animal impersonation skills, well, I have to tell you folks, I never saw it. He was certainly no one-trick pony, let alone one-trick llama, yak, camel, giraffe, boa constrictor, or... Hmm as I was just then to observe, Brown Bear. My future mentor and godfather to all my 14 children was, as I have mentioned, a credit to the journalism so-called profession, and is still mourned. I went into a brief reverie then, and was surprised to find the dour face of Heseltina, or Saltine, as she was quite unaffectionately known, Musk's personal assistant, bodyguard, and cousin, studying me impassively from the other side of the bar. She had a remarkable talent for coming upon all and sundry at any time or place unexpectedly, and in really a rather sneaky way, which was no mean feat, given she was more than 2.2 metres tall and built like a springbok prop. But I almost fell right out of my bustier and g-string when she said to me, in her raspy contralto, Aren't you that fucking pack mule? I have no idea what you're talking about. <gasps> I nervously bright. Now, how can I help? At that, Heseltina sighed heavily. 
upending a small nearby potted bonsai plant. A boysenberry snaps, Bonnie, said Saltine, grimly shaking her head. My name is Rochelle, Matt. <gasps> I hee-hawed primly. Don't make this any more difficult than it already is, you silly ass, she snarled. Things are just about to get very ugly indeed. So I poured her fake berry schnapps variety into a small pink sippy cup and let Heseltina slide away in her peculiarly sneaky yet gargantuan fashion. I was curious to see what would happen next since Musk had only, in my experience, limited though it was, only ever drunk a single fake berry schnapps before passing out. Well, the adrenaline must have been pumping through his system that night, however, since he was still upright after that first draft. Albeit, stumbling groggily around with his tongue out and drooling torrentially. After receiving the second drink from his stony-faced giantess cousin, Salty, Mars quickly suckled to the last drop that nip of, let's face it, really rather soft liquor. Everything that happened after that happened quickly and is something of a blur to me now, especially after all these years. Consequently, it is fortunate I am able to jog my memory with the aid of several hundred high-resolution Nikon fast-shutter zoom camera photographs, which I was taking of the event, at the same time still serving the occasional patron of the bar. I care not to dwell too much on the unfortunate events that followed after Musk removed his trousers and his tight Y-fronts. Suffice to say, Musk's girlish screaming and convulsive giggling histrionics were not, well, not as far as I was concerned, especially dignified, nor, nor did they present him, I would say, in the most favourable light possible. I was, therefore, somewhat relieved when Musk ran outside into the howling blizzard and began passionately embracing and, indeed, French-kissing an aluminium, or if you're American, aluminium, tent pole. As one might expect, Musk's tongue almost immediately became stuck to the metal. But if only that was the full extent of his problems. <laughs> Because, being nude from the pants down and, as he was grinding lasciviously certain other, well, lower regions of the future Twitter tormentor's uh, body, well, some bits became even more strongly adhered than his lips to that pole. In any case, I still wince whenever I look at the graphic photos of Heseltina ripping him and... and, um... Well, ripping yep, him away from, from that str- Oh, my God. Still scarred. Anyway. Suffice to say, with that, the Musk expedition to scale Everest was over. End note. The litigation over the release of the tragic and still somewhat mysterious frostbite um, accident by Elon Musk is unfortunately still in train. All we can safely say here on this website is, according to our lawyers, that Elon Musk probably would have been well advised to reconsider that second boysenberry schnapps. 
There may be a lesson in that for us all, but probably not. Disclaimer. The above tale is completely untrue. Only some of the names remain the same to imperil the innocent. The end.